KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. Just about everyone has thought at one point or another about the concept of life in outer space on other planets. Is it possible? What would it consist of? What would it look like? Will they have free parking? Now, most of the popular talk about this is always centered on Mars. But there's a lot of excitement about a recent discovery on Venus that may indicate the door is open there to the possibility of life. Obviously, wanted to learn much more about this, so we reached out to Dr. Eric Jensen. He is a professor of astronomy at Swarthmore College, and we had a really, really cool discussion. Give a listen. So a lot of excitement surrounding Venus, and, and suddenly now people talking about the possibility of life on Venus. What was discovered that kind of put the spotlight on Venus here? Kind of explain to us from the, the, the bottom up what, what was seen. Sure. So I'll, I'll state what was discovered and then I'll back up a little bit and tell you why that's what people were looking for and why it was interesting. So what's discovered is in some ways a little mundane. They've discovered in the atmosphere of Venus a molecule called phosphine. So it's a pretty simple molecule that has phosphorus and hydrogen atoms in it. Okay, so what's the big deal? Why would be I would be be interested in that? So um, the big picture is trying to figure out where there might be life in our solar system or around other planets. And so, so one way to do that would be, you know, if you could see, you know, cities on a planet, or you could get a message from aliens, you know. But the chances of us being able to, you know, if we saw that, that would be mind blowing. But the chances of that are probably small. So the other thing that people have have concentrated on is how does life on a planet change the the characteristics of the planet and especially the atmosphere? So just to take Earth as an example, if aliens from the outside were looking at Earth and they couldn't see the cities and they couldn't tune into our broadcasts, what they could see is that there's a lot of oxygen in Earth's atmosphere. And it turns out most of that oxygen is produced by life on Earth. It's photosynthesis from plants. And so the presence of that molecule in Earth's atmosphere is a sign that there's life on Earth. Um, because if life weren't here, if all life on Earth disappeared, that oxygen would go away. It would react with other things and it would get buried in the rocks and there wouldn't be a lot of oxygen in Earth's atmosphere. Um, and so this molecule called phosphine is the same idea it's a molecule that, um, at least on Earth, doesn't occur in the atmosphere, as far as we know, from just non-living processes. There's some bacteria that produce it. There's some other um, uh, human industrial processes that produce it. But without life on Earth, we think there wouldn't be phosphine in the, the atmosphere. And so um, this group of astronomers who've studied this um, had identified a while ago that phosphine might be an interesting molecule, um, and they pointed their telescopes at Venus. Um, interestingly, when they when they started to do this observation, they said, "Well, phosphine is an interesting molecule. We'll point a telescope at Venus. We won't see it, but the the limits from our observations will tell us how good, how much better we need to make our telescopes to see it." Um, and then they pointed the telescopes and they saw it and they were kind of surprised. Um, and so, so that's the discovery. It's a molecule that is in Venus's atmosphere and we don't know 
how it got there. And one possibility for how it got there is life on Venus. Now that's, that it's not an ironclad um, story. And the astronomers who made the discovery admit that that's the case. And so the big question is, is this molecule there because there's life that's producing it or could there be some other way for it to be there that we just haven't figured out yet? Who were the astronomers that, that discovered this? Is, is it a, a, a group? I don't, I was about yeah, to say certified. A, a, I don't know if that's the word, but, but who are they? <laughs> sure. The, um, the, it's a, like a lot of science these days. It's a, it's a pretty good sized group. Um, there's an astronomer um, named Jane Greaves, who's, uh, who's one of the people who specializes in this kind of um, telescopic observations to try to detect molecules. Um, and then there's a handful of other people. It's kind of split between people who make the observations and people who um, do the chemistry to figure out what's interesting and have tried to, to identify some of these other, um, some of these other key molecules. When we've talked in grand terms about the, the concept of, of life out there, it seems to me we've always kind of looked in the other direction, starting with Mars and going outward towards the excesses of the galaxy. It's interesting to me that I feel like there isn't a lot of discussion in the public realm of the possibility of Venus. This is honestly the first time I ever heard anything specifically pointing to Venus. How surprising is this, or is this something that within science circles uh, has always been talked about, thought about? No, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's definitely not something that people had thought a lot about, and certainly not something that I had thought a lot about. The, the reason for the emphasis the reason for not looking at Venus and for looking at other planets like Mars is that on Earth, anyway, water is really important for life. Um, and, uh, and other places, there's good reasons to think that that might be true as well. Water or some other kind of liquid, anyway, for, um, for chemical reactions to take place and, and things to start to, to grow. Um, so we know from looking at Mars that there's still some frozen water in the ice caps on Mars. There's good evidence elsewhere on the planet that there used to be water on the surface. And so um, NASA's mantra has kind of been follow the water and look for places where there could be water. Venus is so hot that there is not any liquid water on the surface. And it's just really an extreme environment. The surface temperature of Venus is hundreds and hundreds of degrees hotter than Earth. pressure on Venus would crush things that were on the, the surface if there were things, you know, organisms like those on Earth. And so, so I had sort of written Venus off in my own mind. Um, but in looking into this a little bit more after this discovery, the, the story that people have, have thought of, and there's a lot of ifs here in this story, but it's not crazy, is um, there's, there's good evidence now that Venus used to be a lot more habitable than it is now, that a few billion years ago that there were oceans, there was water on Venus, the temperature was lower, um, and then over time all those oceans evaporated and they had a runaway greenhouse effect that led to the uh, extreme conditions they have today. But the idea is that maybe in the, the early history of Venus, life could have arisen in the oceans 
however that got started. We don't know exactly how life first started on Earth, but it's plausible to think that the same thing could have happened on Venus. And then over time, as um, conditions steadily got hotter and hotter and oceans evaporated, maybe it's possible that some of those organisms could have evolved to, to survive in very small droplets of water that get lifted up into the clouds. So essentially this idea of life on Venus is certainly not like, you know, little green men or something, or I don't know, maybe little yellow men or women on Venus or things, um, but it's microbial life in small liquid droplets that would be kind of floating in the, the clouds on Venus. And so, um, so that's the idea. It's speculative, um, but it's not impossible. And it's, uh, I think some. I think it's an idea that's been out there for a while. I had not been as aware of it um, in the past, but it's uh, it's sort of an interesting, intriguing possibility um, for what could happen. When we're talking, you're talking about like a hostile environment on Venus. Are there places on Earth, and I, when I say places, I mean deep into the ocean. When we're talking about pressure and temperatures and stuff like that. Are there places there we can learn things from to possibly extrapolate what we're considering the possibility on Venus? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's exactly an approach that scientists have been taking is to look and try to see, you know, where on Earth are there really extreme environments that could maybe tell us something about what the limits for life are. High pressures, high temperatures, regions where it seems like the kind of nutrients that a lot of life depends on aren't there, and so maybe alternate kinds of nutrients that things that um, that organisms could use. Um, yeah, and so deep, you know, uh, deep sea vents, you know, in the in the deep ocean, um, down in the ice or down in the rock. Um, and one of the things that that people have found is that life on Earth is really robust. Almost anywhere you go, no matter how extreme the environment is, you can find at least microbial life that's adapted to those conditions. You drill a mile down in the rock and there's bacteria there. You drill a mile into the ice in Antarctica and there's bacteria there. You go to the depths of the ocean and there's bacteria that have evolved to live there. And so, so we're learning things about what, um, what life can adapt to. But the tricky thing is, you know, we can see those examples, but it's hard to imagine all the other examples of things that we haven't found. And so, um, so that's the interesting part is what, you know, we, we are learning some things about the limits of life, um, but we definitely don't know the whole story yet. Do you think this changes thought processes at places like NASA and stuff like that, that a lot of talk about Mars, going to Mars, going, and once again, always going in the direction you know, further away from the sun. Do you think, uh, and we're on like step one of, of 943 steps, but does this start to turn some wheels that, Hey, you know what? Maybe instead of going, sending this to Mars, what if we sent this to Venus? Do you, do you imagine it's possible that this could shift some thinking as far as, uh, exploring? Yeah, I, I totally think that's possible. There, there have been for a while, uh, a community of researchers who study Venus and um, the way or one of the ways anyway that space missions work is that NASA will have a call for proposals and different groups can can make their case for here's why we should have another mission to Mars that's going to do this or here's why we should have a mission to Venus or here's why we should go back to Pluto or something like that. 
And in those competitions, there have been proposed missions to Venus, and none of those have risen to the top in the past. Um, but my, my guess is that this will certainly help. And in fact, I saw reported that um, the, one of the administrators from NASA had, had tweeted, well, maybe it's time to reprioritize Venus. Now, that's not a guarantee that they're going to do it, but that's um, uh, a more direct declaration that, that NASA could be interested in that I might have, have expected. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see. Give us some context, because I know the orders of the planets, but I have no context of how close everything. Is Venus closer to Earth than Mars, or what is the difference there? Yeah, yeah, good question. So it's it's... It's about the same on either side. So Mercury is the closest to the sun and then Venus and then Earth and then Mars. So those are the four rocky planets that are in the inner solar system. And, um, and if we take Earth's distance from the sun, then Venus is a little closer. It's about 70% of Earth's distance in. Um, and Mars is a little farther. It's about another, another 50% farther. So if we were going like yard lines on a football field and we extended it a little bit, Venus would be at 70, Earth would be at 100, and Mars would be at 150. So, um, you know, so Venus is a little closer to us than Mars is, but but they're kind of about the same either way. And we talk, I talked about this, you know, this discovery being step one of a, a lot. What are the next things as someone who studies this, who works in this, what are the next things you're looking for? What will be the next logical steps? All right, we found this. Now, where do we go from here? Right. So I think the next, there's a, there's a couple of different directions that people I think are going to want to go next. One is, um, although I think these observations look convincing, for any observation, you'd like somebody else to repeat it and, and show ideally with an independent observation that, that it's really there. So I'm sure that's going to happen. My guess is that'll be successful. Now, that still doesn't tell you the answer of what it is. So then I think the other thing that's going to happen is um, a lot more uh, theoretical and experimental work of, of work in um, both calculations and maybe in labs on Earth to say, okay, how does this molecule get produced? Are there other ways that could produce it? Could we understand better how life on Earth produces it? Um, to just understand the chemistry and biology of it a little better and to sort of be able to judge better, you know, does it have to come from life or do we get more convinced of that or do we get less convinced and say, oh, maybe there's this other process that it could do good. And then finally, um, you know, going farther down the, the chain of steps would be thinking about a mission to Venus um, and thinking about what that should look like. And I honestly don't know what kinds of missions um, people have proposed that uh, Venus, since there's such thick clouds there and such a harsh environment, despite it being the closest planet to Earth, we don't actually know a whole lot about what goes on under the clouds because we haven't had as many missions there. Um, back in the 70s, sort of during the space race, the Soviet Union had a series of missions to Venus, including some that landed on the surface. Um, but unfortunately, because of the harsh conditions, none of those lasted very long. They were able to send signals back for just a few hours. And so we have a handful of pictures and a, you know, a little bit of 40, 50-year-old data of conditions on the surface. Um, but most of the rest of what we have is um, 
is remote sensing data from the outside looking in to, to try to figure that out. And so um, the next step would be to figure out, yeah, what kind of mission would make sense? And, and I would guess some kind of orbiter rather than a lander, um, but to be able to study things up close a little bit more. And just my final question, I think it's one thing for a guy like me to hear this and go, oh my gosh, this is really interesting and exciting, having no scientific concept of how anything really works. As someone who studies, who teaches this, who's lived this, how exciting is this for you? Is this eyebrow raising like, eh, that's something? Or is this something like, wow, this could really open a whole new window of opportunity? I would say it's somewhere in between those two. Um, when I heard about it, it totally caught me off guard. I was like, wow, people are doing that and looking for that? I didn't, I didn't think about that. Just like you were saying, it's not the place that I, you know, has been as commonly talked about for life. Um, uh, it is exciting. It's, you know, I, my excitement is tempered by uh, lots of experiences in the past of things that, you know, look really surprising. Oftentimes, the mundane explanation is more likely than the, the super you know, unexpected explanation. Um, but, but we'll see. I mean, and I always just get excited. Sometimes I just have to take a step back. So I get, I do this for a living and I kind of get used to it and think it is really cool that we get to, you know, humans get to do this and to try to figure things out about stuff that's millions of miles away and to try to, you know, think about the possibility of life elsewhere. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic and, um, and we'll see what comes next. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 